what's up? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Layton's Loft. I am J5. Uh, I am not Layton. No. It's actually stuck in traffic. <laughs> you will be here with us shortly. Now, shortly could be from five minutes, yeah. 10 minutes, 25 minutes. Yep. We're hoping before five o'clock. I have the over. Um, <laughs> you have the, you're taking the over? I'm taking the over. See you. Yeah. But um, it's 4.50. That's that's the time, 4.50 p.m. Okay. I'm taking the over. Um, we can do the interview. We have a guest today. We can do the interview today. It's no problem. Yeah, I have you, Lou. That's yeah. all that matters. I know this is going to be more, uh, a podcast, so a lot of people can't see, but I did get a haircut. Yeah. It looks uh, good. Lou, too. Lou, you got a haircut, too. Right? I got a haircut, too, yeah. Yeah, look at that. We both uh, made sure we're, we're synced. Sync. Yep. <laughs> so... I want to talk about something I teased about uh, in last night's episode of Vintage Breaks. We recently purchased a collection. Actually, we purchased it yesterday. yesterday? Was it yesterday? Yes. yes, it was yesterday. We purchased it. Uh, a lovely couple came in with this binder that I will show you in a little bit. Um, nobody has any idea what's in it. All I can tell you is that um, it's- They just walked in. Yeah. Well, no, I made an appointment, but- yeah. Yeah, they came in and they just wanted to sell. I already spoke with them uh, a couple of times before this, and um, they're very excited to have a professional look at it, um, which is, of course, Layton. <laughs> he saw the, the entire binder and uh, made them offer. They were very happy, and then we got the deal. So, Lou, make sure you tell everybody where to go to get, uh, get an entry in our giveaway today. Yes, um, there are going to be two shows each, two forms of this stream on the Vintage Breaks Facebook page and the Vintage Breaks YouTube page. You want to be on the one where the show is full screen, the second one that went up, and you comment on there, and your comments will be included in our giveaways for today. Or you can go to the Layton's Live Facebook page and uh, comment there. Everybody in the Layton's Live Facebook page gets entered into the giveaway at the end of the show too. So make sure you're on the full screen version, not the one with the chat on the right hand side. You can go there after we're done and watch the breaking for tonight. That's why we do it, making an easy transition. But you want to go to the full screen feeds on uh, Vintage Breaks Facebook page and on Vintage Breaks YouTube. Thank you, Lou. I couldn't have said it any better. That was perfect. Tyler says your job is awesome. <laughs> so I want to talk about Lou today is um, a little bit, just a little bit. I would say I would take 10 minutes, no more than that, because I really want to talk about the collection. Yep. Uh, it's about our website, vintagebreaks.com. They are, Ernie. They're dope. His comments are dope. <laughs> <laughs> it's vintagebreaks.com. Now, Lou, how can I bring it up to the page? You want vintagebreaks.com? Yeah. You wanna, can you do that for us? I can do that. Give me one second. Great. And I'll walk through everybody. And Lou could be my my right-hand man on this. What's up, chef? Starting a watch party. I like yeah, it. Yeah, we're on the Vintage Breaks Facebook page. Guys, this is our website for those who are new. And for those who are, you know, our regulars or OGs, as we call them. You guys already know a lot about the website. You guys have seen the previous website from three years ago compared to now. It's like... Mind-blowing the difference like it's a huge but it's good. Uh, yeah I wanted to talk to you guys about the bonuses and how they work and also a couple of new features that we added to this new website Which the new people may not know um, And that is of course we'll start with the uh, What do you call it the the bar on top which has all our home button all products all sports you also have VB South, VB West. Shout out to Chris Gilmore for VB South and Charles Gilliatt for VB West. Contact us and the FAQ, a very important page that everybody tends to skip and <laughs> not read. If you guys have questions on how this works, if you have questions about shipping, questions about anything, majority of those answers you'll find in the FAQ page. If you want to contact us, please feel free to call us or email us. It is there. For you to uh to get and um has our schedule we try to update as much as we can but we talk about great credits shipping information international shipping incentives refunds everything uh mm -hmm. please check it out all the way at the bottom lou all the way at the bottom you will have our contact information right there get in touch email us sam at vintage here's our main contact 
I feel like uh, white just highlighting all the, all the stuff you're talking. <laughs> for general questions, Sam will take care of you. For shipping questions, uh, vbshipping459 at gmail.com. That is the email to use. Right now, we do have Emily uh, looking those through, um, but it could be other folks in the office that could take care of that as well. In the future, yes. So that is our content. Of course, our phone number is right there as well. Um, just hit two on the option and it'll, it'll come straight to us so we can help you out. Great. So that is our FAQ. Next, uh, Lou, let's go back to the homepage. Por favor. Yes. There we go. If you scroll down, Lou, keep going. There we go. Keep going. There it is. The good old bonus meter. <laughs> this has been integrated into our website. We're very proud of this. Uh, we have worked diligently with our developer to make sure this is looking perfect and it's still not perfect we're still adding more things to it believe it or not um, but the bonus meter this is how it works so lou if you scroll down just a little bit more there you go those are some of the bonuses that are running right now every bonus has an increment of different price values for example the three dollar bonus that we have if you spend three dollars at checkout you're going to receive one entry into this bonus this is going to end on March 15th at 11 p.m. Anybody who spent $3 here in checkout, you get your entry, randomize the list. And if you want to know what prizes to get, Lou, you can actually hit prize detail and it'll tell you the prizes. First place is going to get a $50 break credit to our website. Second place will get a 62 Tops Baseball separate spot. Third place will get a 1993 Tops First Series Baseball Pack. Nice. An actual unopened pack to get Derek Jr. rookie card, hopefully. Do you have to do anything when you spend the three dollars or does this automatically happen automatically happen you don't have to worry about it and when you do check out you're going to get confirmation of which bonuses you um, are eligible for so you'll get this in the checkout it's like a little receipt there um so if you click out of here uh lou if you spend more for example the 250 dollars bonus that we have here if you spend 250 dollars at checkout you're going to receive one entry into this bonus we are it's a one week long bonus lou mm -hmm. anybody who spends 250 will get automatically entered if you spend 500 you get two entries and so on and so on this is going to be for a winner take all only one person is going to get Ooh. these prizes wow and this ends this sunday at midnight one person is going to receive after the random a 500 dollars break credit to vintagebase.com it is as good as cash you're also going to get a 2020 optic football cello pack looking for those big rookies 2020 dougie uh joe burrow uh tua uh, justin herbert justin herbert who, who won rookie of the year right yes yes <laughs> uh you're also going to get a 57 toss basketball separate mixer spot as you guys know we have a 57 toss basketball separate on our website a chance for someone to land on that Bill Russell rookie card, Ooh. which is like five digits in that grade we have it at. Wow. And also a 500 high roller spot, which is uh, you see at the bottom there, the 500 high roller spot. You click on that, Lou. The big prize for that one, anybody who spends $500 at checkout gets an entry. We need a thousand entries to fill it up. Once it does, we'll randomize it. First person on top is gonna get that 61 tops Mickey Mantle PSA 4. Gorgeous Mickey Mantle card right there. Uh, looking all heroic. Ah, beautiful. Beautiful. Now, can you accumulate your spending to get into this $500 spot, or does that have to be $500 at one point? It has to be in one checkout. Yeah. Now, you may say, well, that's a lot of money, J5. I don't have $500 to spend. Yeah. No problem. We have small bonuses or bounties or other incentives that we actually give you a free spot into this bonus. So you can only find out when you watch live during our show. That is the best time to find out. We have different games that we play throughout the live show, like uh, wheel spins. We have uh, briefcases with prizes inside at random. Um, we have bounties. And some of those bounties carry free spots into these hard roller bonuses, as we call it. So there's different ways of getting in without spending $500 for checkout. Nice. And of course, one last one, the after party bonus event. So, uh, Lou, we have our big event 
this past, uh, what, two weeks ago, on February 28th. We call this the after party. So this ends at uh, March uh, 26th. It's a Friday. Mm -hmm. We'll be going live. We're going to give away, for anyone who spends $100 for checkout, we're going to give away three prizes. First place is going to get a $1,500 break credit to wow. VintageBreaks.com. Second place is going to get a winner's choice, either a 2019 Obsidian football box on open or a 2020 Bowman Sapphire baseball box or a 2019 Prism basketball hangover box. Second place gets to choose the prize. Third place is going to get $250 of break credit. This is our after-party bonus, and you have to spend $100 to get in. However, there are different ways of getting in. I'm going to explain to you that right now. Lou, today, Layton usually gives away seven prizes on every show. Right. All you have to do is comment on the Layton's Loft chat here, which you guys are seeing right now. Um, what we're going to do is the top seven, after we randomize the list, Dougie Fresh is keeping track of all, all uh, entries. Right. First place. No, actually, I can't tell you first place because <laughs> I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, uh, okay. First place, I will announce in a little bit. Second place, you're going to get a free spot in our 1965 Tops Baseball set break, which is going to be live shortly. Third through seventh are going to get free spots into our after-party bonus. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to spend $100. You, all you have to do is just chat it up. Uh, and I believe, Lou, if you start a watch party, you get double the entries, correct? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, Dougie. you start a watch party, and then in our comments on the vintage on the Layton's Loft Facebook page or the Vintage Breaks Facebook page with the full screen video of the show and the Vintage Breaks YouTube channel with the full screen of the show, you put hashtag watch party. And we do it on the Honest System. We're hoping everybody's cooperating. But. I hope so. Yep. All right. I finished, and it's 4.45. That is perfect timing. Perfect. Yeah. All right, so now let's get to the big juicy reveal. And then I'll explain to you what first place is going to get for today's giveaways. All right, Lou, let's switch up. Let's go to the big camera, the, the show and tell camera, I like to say. Uh, I'm going to turn this off. Take the feed okay. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, this by their fresh, fresh collection of. 1939 and 1940 play ball sets. Holy cow. Yes. So these people just, they made an appointment, but they came in and you had no idea it was in the binder. <laughs> I wish it worked that way. Okay. But no, 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 that's not the case. Okay. Uh, she sent me pictures. She gave oh, me an idea right. what she had. She wanted a preliminary evaluation, which I provided for her. Um, but this, like the entirety of the, of the binder, we didn't get to see it through pictures. We only saw a handful. Right. So she just wanted an idea. And so when she came here and saw Layton, boom, huh. he just saw everything. He's like, yep, we want this collection. We made an offer after he went through all the cards. And, um, and she was happy, and we got it. So here's the thing. The collection itself belonged to the gentleman's father. Mm -hmm. who got it from a family friend, I believe. That's what it was. We got Todd's attention. Todd's really into this stuff. Oh, Todd's in. Oh, okay, okay. Now we get Todd's attention. So I wanted to mention, since I showed what the big reveal was, Dougie, first place in the giveaway tonight is going to be a 1940 Playball Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. Wow. A Hall of Famer from the 1940 Playball set that's in the back here. Holy cow. Layton's going to choose the Hall of Famer. He'll be here shortly. So the and Hall then, of Famer is yet to be determined. Yes, yet to be determined. So you mm -hmm. guys, all you got to do is chat it up on Layton's Loft there. So the ones I wanted to show you, um, the one thing I wanted to show you is that the gentleman's father had no control of this. When he got it, this is the way he received it. But the family kept the binder for many years. Yeah. Every single card in the 1939 Playboy Lou has been stamped 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 and let me show you by what i mean by stamped as you can see it has the actual dates in the may 9th 1941 stamped by the manufacturer i don't know oh interesting I, it could be by the store that was selling it it could have been like a 
a giveaway? I don't know. I'm not yeah. really sure. <laughs> but the other thing is that in the back, the gentleman also put his initials on most of the cards. There you go. Yep. It was just JR. Yep. JR on most of these. So they have been stamped, and there is uh, markings of the initial. Again, we don't know how or why, but that is the way they had it, and we just had to accept it for what it was. <laughs> but the ones I wanted to show you, Lou, which I think our, uh, our viewers are going to be very happy with, is, of course, and let me just take it out from here, the first big reveal. There is Joe DiMaggio. Oh, hi, Joe. There he is. Mr. Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Very <laughs> classic pose. Everybody loves his card. 1939 playable Joe DiMaggio. And there's the back. As you can see, there's a little bit of writing on it right there. And then JR on the top right yep. corner. And stamped, of course. <laughs> so we're going to get these uh, that card created by PSA. Because if you guys know PSA... It's just going to sell more in a PSA slot. Sure, right. We so just we had this on the show last week, yeah. Exactly, which I think we're going to talk a little bit more about today. Uh, and the other card I wanted to show you, Lou, that was part of this set as well. Let me just find it. Besides, you know, there's other Hall of Famers in this set. Sure. But the two biggies is Joe DiMaggio and... He's hiding. There he is. Mr. Teddy Williams. Oh. Yeah, believe, too, yeah. I believe this is his rookie card, if is I'm not mistaken. It? Dougie, can you? 1939 playable Ted Williams. Is that Daniel his rookie? Says Williams rookie is in the 39 set. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, there it is. Stamped May 9th, 1941. Yes. Thank you, Dougie. There's the back, JR on the top right. Yep. So that is the uh, collection. Does the collection have different dates stamped on them, or is it all one date? No, it all, so far it all says May 9th, 1941. Interesting. Yeah, so that day. You could see a kid stamping them the day he got them. You could see that. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. But that's a 39. Oh, Todd says Mo Greenberg is in there. Oh, yes. Oh, Greenberg yeah. and Moberg. I'm sorry, Moberg. I'm sure there's a lot of Hall of Famers. But we get to the next set, which is a 1940. Mm -hmm. Now, I can assure you there, <laughs> there are no, there's no writing on these cards. However, however, it seemed like it was part of <laughs> Matthew says that's the date PSA received it and was still waiting on them back. <laughs> that's hilarious. The nineteen forty. Dougie, playable. give Matthew a second entry for that. Dougie, give Matthew Townsend a second entry for that. He deserves it for that. Yeah, he deserves it for that. So, as you can see on the Joe DiMaggio card, Lou, the corners have been pretty much seen better days, and that's because they were inside a album. You know those albums have those four corners to hold yeah. the card? That's what it was. Mm -hmm. But it seems like it was just there for a long time, or the person put a little bit of glue in there so it won't move, or it won't leave yep. the pocket easily. Oh. Yeah. So all of these cards have that corner damage. You can also see the toning as well Yep. of where it's been. So there's Joe DiMaggio, and the backs, of course, clean as a whistle there. Nice. Because they've been protected. It was in the album the whole time. It's just the front of the card has those corner issues. And the other, uh, I've got so many Hall of Famers here. Red <laughs> Ruffing. Who else am I looking at here? Oh, of course. Who doesn't want to see Teddy Williams? Who doesn't want to see? There's Teddy. Looking young. Another yeah. Oh, yeah. There is Teddy Williams. There's the back. Nice and clean. Just yep. a little bit of edge wear corner as usual. Beautiful. But yes, this is the collection that she brought us. We were happy to evaluate it, of course. 
Are any of those complete sets, or are they just parts of sets? Uh, they both. They both. Uh, they seem to be full sets. Yeah, I think they're full sets. Nice. Yeah, I couldn't go wrong. Also, on here you got Walter Johnson. Oh, big train, big train. Walter Johnson here. Let me show you guys. In the nineteen forty. There he is. This one's a little beat up on the corner as well. Walter Big Train Johnson. <laughs> Great nickname, Big Train. And right next to him, Grover Cleveland Alexander, another Hall of Famer. Lots of baseball history there. Was that his nickname, Bo Pete? I don't know. I didn't know that. Wait, all right, well. So guys in the chat, which Hall of Famer do you think Lane is going to choose to give away tonight? If you know the set, you can also Google you. it. That was smart of you not to ask which one you're going to get. <laughs> oh, you want to get. <laughs> which yeah. one would you like to get? That's not Ted Williams, Walter Johnson. You know, the big guys. I mean, there's that's a lot of Hall of Famers. So yep. which one do you think Lane is going to choose to give away tonight? You can Google 1940 Playball set and you get a whole checklist. There's Carl Hubble. There's Mel Aunt. Walter Johnson would be nice. I, I bet it would be. It would be, Lou. Definitely would be. What are people saying? Jimmy Fox. That's a good one, too. Uh, can I find him, though? Lou, do you uh, have you heard a lot about these 39 and 40 Playball sets? No, I don't know much about the play ball sets. Although, interestingly enough, I for some reason I recognize the back of the cards. I don't the way the back of the cards are set up. I'm not sure where that comes from. But. Uh, and of course, the 1941 play ball actually introduces uh, color. There is color in those cards. Um, the 1940 just has this nice border, it has a baseball bat or glove at the bottom. Yep. With the person's name, Mo Berg, as a Hall of Famer. Robert fascinates me. Yeah. Rick Lucian would like a home run baker. Leo DeRocher from Camp Benno. It's Hank Greenberg with Nick Mattianchi. George Sessler from James Actor. What's up, James? The threat is on here. Andrew, so, Ted. You know, everyone wants Ted. Yeah. Or Joe DiMaggio, right? Yeah, of course. Well, I could tell you safely that you're not going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, good. Kill a little of the suspense. <laughs> yeah. Hate to break your hearts there, but yeah, that's not gonna happen. Um, but yeah, I, I was so the happy to get George this Sisler. Oh, George Sisler, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, color, just the color Yeah, Daniel, pretty much. Yeah, just a little added color on him. Uh, so yeah, the guys, that was the collection we purchased yesterday. We were very excited to show it off yesterday, but I told him no, do not show it off until you get to Lane's Loft. Because it's great content, and I'm sure, I'm sure we're gonna have a lot of uh, comments on this. But um, to give away a Hall of Famer from 1940 Playball yeah. set of this collection, yeah, we and couldn't it, do that last night. It was interesting. It's interesting that you break up a set too, because you think some of the value of be keeping these cards together in a set. Exactly. Exactly. We're doing it for you guys. Yeah. For, nice. For tuning in and watching the show or listening to the show, if you're listening to on a podcast form. Now that, now that it's on the internet, I want, I want to take a picture of a couple of these. Uh, okay, just be quick. Yeah, no, I'm not going to take a matter. I just want to. Yep. So, so, so you want to get your friends in here and have them make a comment and get involved in this giveaway that could win a Hall of Famer from one of these two sets. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go back to full full frame here, Lou. Okay. All right. Oh, man. Well, I'm so happy that we got that collection. So who else is in the off list? It's nice. not going to be Joe DiMaggio. It's not going to be Ted Williams. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many Hall of Famers. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Who Plays. else on the list that won't be given away? That won't be given away? Yeah. I, I don't know about Hank Greenberg or Jimmy Fox. I don't know. Uh, Mel Ott could be in that borderline. Mel Ott could be there. Uh, that's a 50-50, I would say. Lane will choose either. So, But definitely not Walter Johnson. Um, you know, listen, if I get a free Hall of Famer from 1940 play, play ball <laughs> set, I, I'm just happy. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah. 
And uh, I, I wish you guys in the chat good luck because I'm not, I'm not winning <laughs> a 1940 Playboy card. So uh, luck to you guys. When did that come in? The binder? Yeah. When did yes, you, when you put yesterday? Oh, wow. Yeah, literally. She uh, The couple walked in here at uh, six. Yeah. Six o'clock. Holy cow. And they left at seven o'clock. Yeah, and we got it done. I think that's when I announced it on the chat last night during the show. Right, Seven-ish around there. Should we bring our guest in or we give late another minute? Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, forgot <laughs> we, I forgot we had a guest. Uh, no, yeah, let, let's, uh, let's bring in Greg. All right, let's bring in Greg. Greg, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? I'm Lou. That's J5. Leighton is stuck in traffic. Hey, hey, you. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Where so, is Greg, uh, were you able to listen to the story or the question I just talked about? I just caught the tail end of it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, are you familiar with the 1939 and 1940 Playball set? No, I'm not. Uh, okay. So, I my Dougie here is taking uh, pictures, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, thank you. There you go. But I'm sure you heard of Joe DiMaggio and Ted Williams. For sure. <laughs> yeah, these are... So the 1939 Playball set has Teddy Williams' rookie card. Oh, wow. And did you just open that up right now? Yeah, I don't know. Lou, you want to? Yeah, uh, this was part of a collection that they bought at Vintage Breaks, which is in New Jersey. And uh, people will contact them from time to time and say, you know, my, I found a collection in the attic or my father had a collection and would like to sell it. And they brought it to uh, Vintage Breaks in a binder. And we just spent the last few minutes going over it. Apparently, it came in yesterday afternoon. And today on the show, we're giving away one of the Hall of Famers from one of these two sets. Awesome, man. I don't yeah. know if I can compete with that excitement, but uh, <laughs> let's see what I can do. Uh, Greg, is, uh, Greg Larson is the author of uh, Clubby, a minor league baseball memoir. And uh, we get a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, Greg. It's really, really interesting. I was just looking through. I read a couple articles uh, about you, one from your hometown, by the way. Read that one, oh, and that's yeah. where I got all the fun stuff. All right, so let's uh, set up the book. You uh, tell people how you tell people about your role in the minor leagues and how the book came about. Yeah, after I graduated college, I got a job as a clubhouse attendant with the Aberdeen Ironbirds short season, the then short season single A affiliate for the Baltimore Orioles, now high A affiliate for the Orioles. And I was a clubby for them for two seasons. Uh, I grew up thinking that I was going to be a major leaguer. But as you saw in that article, I bet 0.091 my senior year of high school. Um, nobody wants to mention my 375 on base percentage, by the way, which was not included <laughs> in that article I want to point out. Yep. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I no baseball skill whatsoever, but I always dreamed of being part of the game. And then lo and behold, all of a sudden I'm in a clubhouse and there's this strange dynamic of I'm the guy washing the job jock straps. I'm the guy cutting the veggies. And I realized I'm making three times as much money as the guys in the clubhouse. And yet I still want to be them. I still want to be a player on the field just like them. So it's this, yeah. it's a huge central dynamic in this book. All right. Th this is fascinating. I worked for a couple of years for the Lowell Spinners that were in the New York Penn League oh, yeah. as well. And one of the things I found fascinating about it is it is such a mishmash of people and personalities and people in different places in their life in uh, June uh, they'd be the baseball draft. And these guys would show up in Lowell and I'm sure in Aberdeen as well. And you got some guys from uh, big time college programs who are drafted, who are coming in to play a couple weeks so they can get their feet settled. And you've got guys who were at their high school prom just two weeks ago who, who are coming in and playing. And you've got minor leaguers, uh, minor leaguers among the coaching staff. You got major leaguers on the way down. It's a very wild dynamic. And people don't understand that these players coming in aren't making a ton of money. I'm not surprised you were making more than most of the players, but that those clubhouses in the New York Penn league, because of those differences in personalities and backgrounds are fascinating places. Oh yeah. I mean, when we went to the playoffs, my second season, I had a long argument with the front office just to get champagne for the guys because <laughs> more than half of them weren't of age to drink. So that, that was like a huge problem for them legally. Um, <laughs> and you know, even the clubhouse, the facilities in the New York Penn League. I I was at Ripken Stadium. I actually lived in the equipment closet one summer yep. just to save on rent. I have, it was just <laughs> I was me. Ask, so you actually moved into the the equipment clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, that's how I was sucked into that world. I got 
I was in the the equipment closet, a 10 by 12 room, no windows, just pine tar, rosin everywhere. I, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get out of this with my sanity intact. But Ripken Stadium had probably the best facility in the New York Penn League. Some of those Mahoning Valley, yep. Octavia, guys would come back from road trips with bed bugs, literally. Yep. Uh, so I was grateful for the facilities there. But now that's why it's a high A affiliate, the Ironbirds. Were you a traveling clubhouse attendant with the team or just at home? I traveled the second season. Uh, the guys saw me as something of a good luck charm um, when we were on a playoff hunt. And they actually let me go on the field and take batting practice. Alan Mills, 12-year major leaguer, pitched batting practice to me like he wanted to add me to the list of his illustrious strikeout vi victims he's had in his career. Mark McGuire, Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, Greg Larson. <laughs> he let me know that I could not handle his slider and his hard fastball on the inside. But, I mean, that was a blast. I wore a jersey for some of the games, um, warmed up the right fielder one game. It was I wouldn't trade it for anything. All right. As I think you mentioned, I forget which article I saw that you mentioned it in, is these. I know that these clubhouse attendance positions don't come open. They are basically passed down. They're, they're covered in positions. So how did you end up? You were from Minnesota at the time, right? How did you end up in, in Maryland, uh, a clubhouse attendant for the Orioles affiliate? Yeah, I grew up in Minnesota, which is hockey country, not baseball country. And even then, I couldn't get a starting position on the uh, Division Three college that I was going to. Yep. I got cut from that school in a matter of 48 hours during tryouts week. And um, so I transferred to a Division One school called Winthrop in South Carolina. And they gave me a Division One baseball scholarship, but it was a scholarship for washing jockstraps with them. So then when I graduated, that was the only job experience I had. And it just so happens, I had no idea how rare this was. Just so happens that right when I graduated, this clubby job opened up on Aberdeen Ironbirds, their website. And it just was a fluke that that was the only experience I had. And that job happened to open up. And I had no idea how perfectly the stars aligned until after the fact when people were like, now, how did you get this job again? And yeah. I said, on a job board online. And they look at each other like, who the hell is this guy? And what is he doing in our clubhouse? Now in Lowell, because Lowell, uh, the ballpark in Lowell is very close to um, UMass Lowell, and a lot of the players stayed in the dorms uh, during during that period. Mm -hmm. And this roster becomes, and I'm sure in Aberdeen it was probably more. There were probably sponsors and foster families for these for these kids in many cases, right? right. Yeah, but it becomes a very closed environment, and you as the clubby are a conduit for a lot of things for these kids, especially the underage kids with maybe some alcohol and you know whatever other trouble they can get into, and that's that had to present some opportunities for you. Oh yeah, a lot of financial opportunities, particularly with memorabilia. I mean, I would so I had a deal with the stadium clubhouse supplier, the the beer supplier. Um, I would give him a couple of bats, a couple of baseballs at the beginning of the season, and he would. Load up, load me up with a bunch of expired Bud Lights that you know he just would tell us his the Bud Light factory that just fell off the truck. Yeah. And so what I would do, I would take that those cases of Bud Lights, and then let's say Staten Island Yankees coming to town, Lowell Spinners coming to town. I go to their coaching staff and say, Hey, you guys want some booze? Uh, and they say, Sure. I say, You give me some caps and some gear, and then because that was from another team, the caps and gear that they give me. Uh, it was more valuable to the stadium beer supplier in Aberdeen. So sure. then I would trade the beer to the other teams. I'd get the gear, trade it to the beer supplier. And then I would take tips on the top and I'd have extra beer left over for myself and our coaching staff so that I was living high off the hog <laughs> all season long. Leighton joined us. Leighton Sheldon. Sheldon is with us. And uh, we're talking with Greg Lock, Layton. author of Clubby, minor league mem baseball memoir. We're just uh, going over our old days in the uh, New York Penn League. Very cool, Greg. Well, thanks uh, again for joining us today. Apologize for uh, being late. Uh, you know, um, this is the the life we live, the life we have chosen. But uh, thanks for joining us today. Really looking forward to checking out your book. And honestly, the first few minutes here just to kind of be like a guest on our own show, just to listen to you for me being a few minutes late. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, it sounds like you just, if I may, being late to the party here, it sounds like in the beginning we're at the right place at the right time, but yet you know you you created your own luck by looking on the message boards as opposed to for waiting to someone to come to you. That's very true. I mean, it was a perfect um, opportunity plus preparation. I was, you know, it was 2011. There just weren't a lot of job opportunities at that time, and I thought, man, I could do a lot worse than working in professional baseball. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think the character development, because I have to look at myself and I look at the guys on the team as real people, but they're characters in the book as well. And when I look at my character in the book, I turn cynical. Like, I don't feel cynical about the game now, but over time I grew to see the game in ways that I didn't expect. Like, I would just wait for the games to get over because then I could finish scrubbing up the laundry quicker after the game. Um, you know, an out was an out. I didn't care who won or lost at a certain point. Started chewing tobacco, grew a crappy mustache, lost a bunch of weight. And um, I, I think that transformed my experience of the game. You know, I, I came into it a little bit starry-eyed, maybe a little bit naive. And I saw, holy crap, there's a whole world, not just beyond what we see on a major league field, but there's a whole world beyond what we see on a minor league field. And it completely transformed my understanding of the game. I think for a, for the better and for a deeper relationship with the game. It's funny that day-to-day -day grind. And I remember working in Lowell at the time and there would be a rain delay and it would just kill you. You'd just be, you'd, you'd be on the eighth game oh, of yeah. a stand and it, that rain delay would come and, and teams going on the road and you're just going, man, I just want to get this game over with. I just want to go home. You know, oh, for sure. too much time at the ballpark. But the thing is, when you get back to the ballpark the next day, it's kind of renewed. You always get that feeling back again. Yeah, you almost forget about anything that happened the day before, bad, good. It's like a fresh start. And that even happens between seasons, you know. There were some there was some staff that Alan Mills, for example, our pitching coach, he was on the team both years that I was on the team. We're the only staff that left over. And um you know, in the offseason, I didn't hear from guys. But then when you show up during the season, if there are any guys that are coming back from the last season, it's like they've always been there. You just fall back into something easy. And I think there's something beautiful and tempting about that with baseball, where it's just so easy to fall into the orbit of the game. Yeah. And talk about that poll, because, again, we've got kids who are at the high school prom two weeks ago who are showing up at the New York Penn League. You've got the Allen Mills of the world who are major league players who do not want to be in Aberdeen, uh, you know, coaching high school kids. It's just not what they want to be doing. But for some reason, the lure of the game keeps them there. They don't go home and work for their brother's roofing company and they don't, you know, and the high school guys get pulled out of their their home in Nebraska and they come to play baseball. And then it, not so much in the New York Penn League, but you got guys who hang on in the minors for years while they're into their family making next to no money. But the game, the lure of the game is too strong. Yeah, it is this odd dynamic. Look, there's a part of it where those guys, that's their dream. And of course, I don't knock anybody for shooting for their dream. But there's this other aspect. There are some guys who hang on for years at a time uh, because they don't have any other job experience. That's what they did their entire time in high school. That's what they did their entire time in college. And I feel like my experience was somewhat analogous where if you got cut from the baseball team, you think, okay, now what? And for me, I just so happened to get a bug under my butt and I started writing a book about it. And then all of a sudden I'm a writer for a lot of guys. They go into insurance and a lot of guys go into the police force. They, a lot of guys try to find that fraternity that they had in baseball in other fraternities in adult life. And I find a lot of them do that in firefighting and police work. Interesting uh, way you put that, uh, you know, Greg, I can't, uh, I realize um, I didn't hear everything in the beginning, but when you were growing up, did you want to be a ball player? Oh yeah, I had dreams of being like a scrappy second baseman who couldn't hit worth as that couldn't hit worth a damn, but was really good at defense, and uh, that was my dream. Yeah, so you know, similar to your dream, I had I had a similar dream. Uh, I thought I'd hit with a little bit more power. You know, I might be a little bit bigger than you, but I thought I could play uh -huh. the field. But nonetheless, uh, it sounds like for either one of us, you know, we didn't necessarily take that path, but still very much involved. You know, maybe you more directly with the game, but. Um, I thought it was something interesting that you just said how um, maybe a lot of folks who played, whether it be it's high school ball or they go on to play college ball or, or it's somewhere in between, they fall off, right? You know, you realize when you're a junior or senior in high school, you're like, hey, I am pretty good, but I'm going to be going to debt and go to college. And so what am I going to be doing? Um, or you get to college, you think you're going to play ball, you play the first year, your grades suffer. You're like, I'm not going to play pro ball. How am I going to earn a living? And so, um, yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about how maybe former ball players, if they don't go, you know, into that, they look for a fraternity of, of sorts in the way that you're talking about with insurance or a police force or, or a firefighter. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of interesting for me personally. Um, 
you know, I more just looked at it as because uh, I, I wanted to play pro ball like yourself. This wasn't good enough. Um, and, uh, you know, I think two things for me. One, seeing as how my son Crosby's only six now, whether it be he decides to, and I hope, man, I hope he, he's only six, but he looks like a southpaw. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, he's already got like a big leg up on everyone else if he's going to be a lefty. Um, but, you know, all kidding aside, I think that, you know, those types of jobs, like although they may seem great if you're within a fraternity of folks and you have that camaraderie, mm-hmm. I would I would encourage, you know, and this is kind of – I got lucky, right? 20 years ago, baseball cards were thought of as like you're an idiot. You know, you're really going to use your college education to do that. Um, but I just I just think that – so much has changed that maybe today, if you have like those aspirations, like for my son who's six, you, you 12, you're 15, you love baseball that because the internet has made the playing field, you know, pun intended, right. More level that you're mm-hmm. going to be able to pursue writing a book like you did. Right. And then maybe now that you wrote one, you're like, you know, I didn't make as much money I wanted, but I really love it. And then you go on to write another one or you talk to people about how to write a book. And you find something within that space that you just truly love. And, I mean, I don't know what it is exactly about ball cards for me. You know, was it the commerce? Was it the history? Was it a little bit of, um, you know, the freedom of being away from my parents at 11 years old and spending my own quote-unquote money? You know, I don't really know. Um, But I'm curious, you know, for yourself, like where do you see the road going from here? Do you want to stay really close to baseball uh, you know, have you dabbled in cards at all? Do you think you're going to do another book? Do you want to teach people, um, you know, about how to write a book? Cause I have some friends mm-hmm. that kind of have a different profession, but they wrote a book about a journey and, and they, similar to what you just said, they enjoyed the process of it. Right. I mean, it's an interesting thing, right? Like baseball, this story with the Ironbirds is just the story that happened to find me at the time. I didn't go into that clubhouse setting out to write a book, but I just realized wow, there's a lot of interesting dynamics here. Let me just take a bunch of notes. I had 285 single space pages of notes at the end of those two seasons. And I thought, okay, I'm going to turn this into a book. And um, I never set out to do that specifically. And oddly enough, as far as, you know, you mentioned coaching other people to write books, helping other people write books. I used to be a ghostwriter um, up until October of this last year, actually. So I, I'll ghostwrite books for CEOs, business leaders, Lots of marketing type books, any any niche business subject. I've probably either ghostwritten or edited a book about it. So I've definitely gone full on into the writing world. I don't consider myself a sports writer or a baseball writer. I just, this happens to be the story that found me. I, lo- I used to love going to the Twins games all the time. Uh, I grew up going to the Metrodome, which was just <laughs> a very sad place to watch a baseball game. But when you're a kid, you don't know any different. Um, and oddly enough, the only piece of memorabilia I have left from those two seasons is an Alex Schmarzo. Alex Schmarzo. I mean, I'm looking at this his 2011 stats. Oh, and one 4.91 ERA 3.2 innings pitched. I mean, Alex, I don't care about Alex as a player, but Alex is my best friend on the 2012 Ironbirds, And he signed this card for me before he got moved up. And to me, he's not playing in the game anymore, but to me, this is the most valuable piece of baseball memorabilia I may ever have. And that that's my connection to the game is the people behind all of the memorabilia, the people behind the numbers that that's why I wrote this book because those guys are such fascinating characters. And I just love learning about them. When I was working at game ops for Lowell, uh, we were trying to get walk up music for Ryan Kalish, who was with the spinners at the time. And we were, basically yelling out of the press box to the field during batting practice, trying to figure out what he wanted for walk-up music. And he wrote this song from the nitty gritty dirt band on a baseball and threw it up to the press box. I've still got that. baseball. <laughs> right. That's a, that story is never going to leave you. So it's like, I love those moments, those anecdotes. All right. Are you still in Austin? Yes, sir. Still in Austin. All right. So I've got some ties with the round rock express. If you want to go back to washing jock straps for a while. I think I, I, that's, the, that's the easiest no I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I figured as much. But, I put uh, in a good word for you. You're doing stand-up down there, right? Are you still doing the stand-up thing? I'm doing, I was doing stand-up until about a month ago when I started focusing hard on the uh, book promotions. But, uh, you know, I'd get out there and I'd sling a few jokes in front of a drunk crowd on a Tuesday night like anyone else. 
like anyone else. No, that is the toughest thing in show business. I love stand-up and I just love watching you guys. You're just up there with people and a mic and what is it, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20, maybe a half an hour to fill. That's that's a manly profession right there. Although I know women do it great. Yeah, it's terrifying. I, you know, some of the shows that I was doing, you get three minutes. Sometimes you get 15 minutes and there is nothing more terrifying than having maybe 10 minutes of material and you got to fill up 15 minutes of stage time. That's frightening. And there's no, con you know, I might never see any of these people in the crowd again, but I'm thinking to myself up there, like, if I don't do this right, I I'm screwed. Like my life is over. You just can't get past that thought process. It's a tightrope walk. I love it. Well, and I'll tell you, I was feeling good about breaking and being live like on YouTube and stuff. You know, I have no experience prior to vintage breaks. I got to tell you, man, you may have just put me back into a slump. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm all of a sudden now nervous. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. What am I going to talk about? There's, I don't know, 11 minutes left. They got three minutes of material. It's a big freaking problem. I was just going to tell them stay out of radio then because that's a day-to-day -day occurrence. It's like I got a three-hour show every day. I don't know what the hell I'm going to talk about for three hours. Well, you guys can't do crowd work either. I can lean on the that's fact like, hey, where are you from? And that would kill a couple of minutes. Well, it's talk radio. We do a little crowd work. That works out. True. All right, so uh, tell everybody where they can get the book. Get the book. It's Clubby, a minor league baseball memoir. I have a bunch of extra content. Pre-order the book. It comes out April 1st. Go to clubbybook.com. That's C-L-U-B-B-I-E book.com. And we have all kinds of fun content, interviews with, with players. I have a bunch of written content. It's a good time on that website. Did you ever meet uh, Cal while you were there? Cal Ripken Jr. was my boss for two years. I saw he was like Bigfoot. Uh, I saw the dude <laughs> twice, never introduced himself. I will give him the benefit of the doubt. His mom got kidnapped in the middle of the 2012 season, my first season there. So I, I think he had a few other things on his mind at that point. I don't yeah, know. That could be a whole episode of In It To Itself there. That's crazy. Yeah, take a minute and expand on that story. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand you dropped it in there. You don't expand. Yeah. <laughs> his mom got kidnapped. The most, the messed up part about it. Cal Ripken Jr., um, his mom was kidnapped from their home. They never found out who did it. He just tied her up, drove her around the Aberdeen area for a few hours, and then dropped her off back at the home. Cal put out a $100,000 reward. The FBI was in on it. They have since never found any details. Val, his mom, actually passed away a couple of months ago. And so that whoever did that, they don't know if it was a ransom. They expect that it was someone who just didn't know who they were kidnapping. Uh, but that was a messed up summer, man. Cause there was a lot of Ripken family in the, in the Ironbirds front office. So their minds were elsewhere that whole summer. Well, we wish you luck with the book and we appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you guys. It was fun. Absolutely. Right. Greg, please do me a favor. Drop me an email with your link where they can order your book direct. Cause I love that it's not on Amazon and you don't know, no, not to Amazon, but they got enough business of their own. So um, what I'd like to do is an email later this week that we send out for our company, Vintage Breaks, on a daily basis. I'd like to plug your book in one of our emails and give them the direct link to where they can order the book on the pre-order and, you know, see all that great content that you had mentioned. And I'll put up the awesome. link right here for everybody who's watching so they can go directly and order the book. Um, awesome. I appreciate you doing that, Lou. And before you leave, Greg, I wanted to show you my own piece of priceless memorabilia. Please. Uh, this is my seat. I don't know how well you can see it. Uh, this is the seat that um, I was sitting on from the 1996 Yankee World Series Game 6 in the bleachers. Um, and, you know, that could be a whole episode by itself also. Uh, but at the end of the day, I was in college at Rutgers uh, College, and, you know, it was a lot harder to buy tickets for sold-out sporting events back then. Right. You know, there were no apps. So, you know, I had written on several dorm rooms, uh, you know, like those whiteboard uh, those white erase boards. And uh, basically, I remember I was, paying, I was paying $200 for a ticket. I didn't care where I sat. And shout out to my friend Nicole. She got me into the stadium. And uh, certainly the rest is history. But, um, you know, the Yankees, uh, they didn't care so much about them. I mean, they didn't care about the memorabilia in the 70s, right? The 80s. But, you know, the 90s, maybe a little bit more. But still, there was such pandemonium because the Yankees hadn't won it in such a long time. Right. And I had a big winter coat on, specifically a triple fat goose, Jets coat. Um, put it under my coat, man, got in the streets. There was mayhem. It didn't matter. I could have had a bazooka, frankly. With <laughs> so you, uh, did you bring a wrench set and everything with you into the stadium? No, no, this is what's wild. So, so to be fair, right. You know, I'm not, I, I, my birthday's in November and I definitely wasn't 21, but somehow I'm drinking beers at the stadium and it's like the fifth inning 
And something magical happened, Greg. I'm sitting on the state, you know, I'm, I'm like sitting down on it. It's a little loose. And at some point, right, people are getting up and you're stomping. I know you can't see my feet. You're stomping. And it's almost like in the movie Shawshank Redemption when he's going into the wall and he's like oh, using yeah. his little thing and he sees that little crack. I'm like, wait a minute. The seat just moved. <laughs> so it's the sixth inning and I got another beer, a few more peanuts. And I'm like, huh, this thing's really moving. I wonder. And, of course, by the eighth or ninth, you realize the Yankees might do this. I'm like, Jesus, criminy, man. I got to go home with this seat. It's meant to be. <laughs> so at that point, I mean, I wish there was video. Literally, I'm like a complete savage. You know, they talk about savage in the box. I have no tools. I have my hands that are definitely cold because of the winter. And to be fair, like, maybe I asked, you know, my friends, like, hey, could you do me a favor and take over for a minute and just keep snatching your foot? Um, and, you know. I mean, listen, I have no idea what it's worth, but I know that um, Crosby sees me talking about it uh, at home, thinks it's hysterical. My wife thinks it's a piece of junk. Um, <laughs> right. And for me, it's priceless. And to be honest, that's what makes baseball and the whole, whether it be you're on the collecting side, you're on the love of the game side, you just play, or really you're intertwined for both, uh, like some of us here all chatting today. Um those are the kinds of mementos that really are priceless. Did you pull any piece of memorabilia out of there, Greg? In particular, if I've got my timeline right, you probably saw Trey Mancini down there and uh, probably a couple other players. Any Anything that you've you've kept? <laughs> I got I, – I, the only thing I really kept is this Alex Schmarzo card, but I got to tell you guys this really quickly. In 2013, we had Mikey Stremski and Trey Mancini on that team. Yeah. And what I would do is – Players, in order to get new bats, they would trade me a, their old broken bat and in order to get a new one. It was an honor system kind of thing, they thought. But what I was doing is I was selling them up in the um, up in the gift shop. Yep. They would sell them for 20 bucks, and I'd get a $7.50 cut. And what I realized is that I would just write the name of the player on the bottom on the athletic tape. And it, everyone just assumed that the clubby was going to be an honorable guy and wouldn't lie about whose bat it was. But what I realized is that Manny Hernandez, Sam Kimmel bats, they didn't sell. But if I wrote Yaz number 28 on it or God. Mancini number 51 on it, they would sell like crazy. So there's just a swath of people up there who think they have Trey Mancini and Mike Ustremski bats. And I just completely lied about it. And I'm sorry. I know that's like super, that's not kosher, but I needed that $7.50, baby. Well, listen, clubby probably wouldn't have happened without it. And That's I mean, true. listen, at the end of the day, right? I just announced. I, I don't know. Can the cops come after me? Grand larceny? What's his worth? Thousands? I have no idea. <laughs> you know. So at the end of the day, we live and learn, and hopefully, you know, become slightly smarter. I appreciate that, Greg. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it so much. Good thanks luck for joining us, Greg. Thanks, fellas. All right, that was fun, Lou. That was great. I'm glad that I was able to catch uh, most of that. Um, so I have to say uh, two things. Um, well, three things. First, please order Greg's book. Uh, check out the link, Lou, if you could drop it in there. Uh, second of all, it's, it's definitely a problem. J5 now has control of my Google Calendar. Oh, no. I simply offered it the other day as a suggestion. You guys might say, like, wow, Leighton, you're, like, not even close today to on time. I'm just going to – I don't want to, like, expand on it. We only have a few minutes here. Just say, I go to Sam earlier, I go, did you know that J5 now makes appointments for me? I don't even get told. I simply just look. I'm like, oh, I guess I have to be somewhere at a certain time. I'm like, oh, I wish I was told that. Well, that worked both ways because when we were setting up the show before the show, J5 says, I don't know if we have a guest or anything. Yes, we have a guest. <laughs> and I said, it wasn't my guest, too. It was Layton's guest. <laughs> Well, believe me, I can tell you now, not only he'll, he'll uh, I'm sure, put it on uh, Google, he'll be sending me uh, a variety of messages. And then we're talking very briefly, and of course, I didn't understand the extent of exactly what he was saying to me on the phone, J5. But of course, we're super excited about this collection of play balls that we just bought oh, yesterday. Yeah. Was uh, J5 going over that with you? Yeah. And I don't actually need you to answer, because I know he was going over it with you, yeah, because this lovely book's right in front of me. Yep. The so big interesting. Is, the big mystery is which uh, Hall of Fame are you giving away? That's what, you know. All. We're gonna uh, we're gonna continue to go through it right now. But really, I, I tried really hard to pry out of them. Like, hey, how did the dates happen? Why was it every card? And like, if it's not enough, and I think last night my wife was sleep deprived, so I'm telling her about the collection, and you know she understands, uh, you know, cards, and she goes, oh, they're all stamped, and so I have her like just like yeah. all right, so she's like in her own mind. Hey, Ted Williams, rookie, gray card, like stamped. All right. And I go, oh, wait, you thought that was all? 
And I go, if it wasn't enough, he wrote JR, like Junior, on the back of every card. She starts hysterically laughing. She, you know, she, she wasn't well. Um, says you've got two wives now. <laughs> there's a crazy, speaking of multiple wives, there's a crazy special. I want to know if anyone in our audience has watched it. It's on Netflix or HBO Max, one of those about the Mormons and some killings going on in the community. I just want to know if anyone knows on the series. No, um, but uh, Well, the, the stamp thing was interesting to me because I asked J5 if they were different stamps because I could see a kid with one of those old rotating stamp things when he got the card. He'd stamp the date on it when he got the card, but they all have the same date on it, which makes it interesting. I don't know what the significance of the date is. Well, to me, my first guess is, I mean, uh, it seems fairly obvious, right? He got him on May 9th, 1941. When I say he, I'm not convinced. Oh. Hello. Oh, it's like a ghost. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't know he was right there. We were, you know, we were saying some things about you, just trying to share some stuff. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I saw I wasn't over there before. I didn't realize I was over there. I'll have to just be careful in the future. Connor, so, uh, I'm thinking how much the stamp uh, diminishes the value. So maybe you could talk about that when you give me a theory. Absolutely. So first, my theory is that whoever got the cards, May 9th might have been their birthday, might have been the day they just got the cards, and they're like, wow. Uh, I'm going to make sure that I stamp them all. And that's just what they did with whether it be, you know, someone gave them a stationary set, whether it be they got a train set. I just think that, you know, people did weird things, right? Like I had a, this, the, the ugliest cabinet, metal cabinet for my cards in my basement when I was a kid. And I can close my eyes and visualize it. Horrendous. But I put like stickers on it, yep. you know, what have you. Yeah, it looked great in my eyes. And the thing was disgusting. It really looked yeah. like. And you're not thinking collector's items. You're not thinking big money item in in what, 80 years? And so you're not thinking that way. No, no, not at all. Um, so I think that uh, it had to do with uh, birthday or when they received the cards. Um, in terms of what they're going to grade, this is my advice for anyone uh, who has a question about, let's say, like a card with a qualifier, is like just, let's, you know, let's just take a random card here. If you think a common is going to grade X, meaning five, and it has writing on the back or a stamp on it, then they'll likely put an MK, Right, so it'll be a five MK, and in terms of value, it affects it by about two grades. So depending on how valuable the card is, if it's a five MK and that's what it grades, then I would suggest that it's going to sell for about a PSA three price. But sometimes a qualifier affects a card by three grades because, for example, if the stamp's really obtrusive and it's in the middle of the guy's face, Lou, maybe that'll be worth a little bit less money. I got to I got to give Ernie some credit here. Ernie says, according to history, May 9th, 1941 was the day British intelligence at the Bletchley Park breaks German spy codes after capturing the Enigma machines aboard the weather ship Munchen. Yep, so I'm sure that was it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, yeah, every single one of them. I mean, he did not forget to put his initials. Um, I did think it was a fascinating collection. Now, we certainly don't want to jinx it, J5, but tomorrow... Tomorrow we have something very well. Tomorrow we have a couple, but tomorrow something very interesting. Yes, so we can't talk about it further oh. until until we procure it. But Lou, this is like just the tip of the iceberg as to what we have going on. Nice. So you're just going to tease us and just leave us hanging. That's correct. Well, Lou, good radio is hey, tune on in oh, at this geez. date right. and time in the future if you want to know the full story. That's right. Stay tuned. And by the way, if you want to know the full story on this. Uh, you know, collection, you want to see more images and such, uh, all that info will be on our blog at justcollect.com slash blog. I'm just picking out right now one of the names. Daniel says uh, the latest sale on a PSA3 on Ted Williams 39 Playball Rookie is $2,800. Yeah, I have to check it out. I was looking at the uh, – oh, here we go. Here's a couple uh, couple good ones. So we're going to choose a 1940 Playball Hall of Famer to give away right now. Can you, this collection. Can you put the death shot up here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The little eyeball. Uh, I have to... J5, can you uh, help out with that? Let me see. You want to get another look at these cards? Yeah, no, these are great. All right, I think we're going to go with Chuck Klein. Who's PD, David? Chuck Klein. 
if David means program director, he must be a radio guy too. There we go. So we're going to give that away for free, courtesy of Vintage Breaks and Just Collect. Oh, handsome dude. Uh, so I know it's the end of the show today um, and uh, it was a few minutes behind, but um, you know, I did want to just talk about um, uh, uh, how do I bring this back uh, to the main screen here, J5? Click the little eyeball. Oh, David's a radio guy. He did bring up the program director. I'm not sure how to do it. Oh, no. uh, he does it. Uh, Luke does the rest. Oh, okay. Does all that crazy, that crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully whoever wins that Chuck Klein is going to enjoy that. Um, you know, we're going to uh, probably give out a few more of these cards, maybe another one or two today during our broadcast. The, the new 1965, <coughs> excuse me, the new yeah. 1965 Tops Baseball set break, which uh, the gang's going to show off some of the highlights in just a few minutes. Um, I did want to give a shout out to my son Crosby uh, and really, you know, all the other kids. Uh, try not to become too mushy. I'm uh, good at that. <laughs> uh, you know, I was down at uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia earlier this week. Uh, with him for an appointment. And when I say an appointment, he had appointments all day. Yeah. Um, uh, he's, he's a brave little boy, along with a lot of the other uh, boys and girls that are in there. And so, you know, I realize that it's March. A lot of people start thinking about, you know, making donations to a particular charity in November or December, you know, around Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever holiday in particular you celebrate. But, you know, I would tell you that, you know, when you're, when you're going to, uh, you know, Children's Hospital and, um, you know, you're going there uh, even just to visit, let's say, someone else. So if it's a friend of the family and they have a son or daughter there, or if it's a cousin and they have, you know, a son or daughter in there, um, it's not any different, candidly, than my, me going in there with Crosby. And what I mean is, is that when I'm in there, you know, uh, Greg had been talking, for example, like about a fraternity today. Yeah, I really do believe this, and I'm trying very, very hard to stay you know, unemotional about it, but you know, like in a minute, I could probably be a good actor because I could turn it on in a second if I had to. Um, but the reality of it is, uh, you know, my heart goes out to each and every one of the, the, the people that are there because they all have a story. Yeah. Um, and so just keep that in mind. Like when you're, you know, doing your, your, your day job or, uh, you know, like I had tennis this morning, for example, and, you know, I'll tell you like, you know, Hey, uh, maybe I would have hit that shot better. I wish it was in better shape. And, Listen, a lot of these things are in our control, uh, you know, whether it be it's work or personal for fitness or eating or what have you. And th this is not a motivational speech, although it may sound like it. There's a lot of kids out there, just like a CHOP, for example, but I'm sure children's hospitals all across not just our country, but across the world, that would literally kill just for that opportunity. So just keep that in mind tonight when you're sitting down for dinner, um, you know, or, or relaxing or whatever, whatever the case may be. And you know, and the stakes are never higher with a child. And this is God's work. And, and these people you know, take it, do it so well and just help out families that have unbelievable burdens. Yep. So uh, anyway, just wanted to uh, special shout out to Chop and Crosby lost his tooth oh. uh, last or I'm sorry, was it two days ago? And I want to make sure the tooth fairy visited yesterday. Crosby was very pleased with the deal that was made. Uh, was you know. he? Yes, he was. The deposit's been made in the piggy bank. Um, and it's funny because he was trying to do the math and he was, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything in case he happens to be watching. So, uh, yeah. I doubt he is, but, um, <laughs> let's just say he was very, very happy and, uh, you know, um, enjoy the rest of your day today. Stay tuned for vintage breaks. North will be coming on right now till nine 30 Eastern time with, Sam, J5, Dougie, Emily, and the rest of the gang here, including yours truly. And then um, tonight is 9.30, so Vintage Breaks West will take over. forgot today was Wednesday. Uh, and tomorrow, Vintage Breaks South will start broadcasting at about 1 o'clock Eastern time. So we have a lot of great content coming up over the next day or so, and hopefully soon be revealing our next athlete break experience Ooh. brought to you by Vintage Breaks. Very nice. Thanks, everybody, for showing up today. Uh, just share it with your friends. And we'll see you next week. Take it easy, y'all. Where's Chuck? You want to give it away?